Hi, and welcome to North of 48. It's July 1st. It's Canada Day. Soon to be July 2nd. The day after Canada Day. Seems uh, the last couple of years we had Europe and the Mediterranean were burning. Big, vicious wildfires in Portugal, Greece, and Spain. This year, it's North America's turn. With a big heat dome stretching into parts of Canada that haven't seen heat like this ever. There have been some parts of Canada that have been hotter than Las Vegas and Arizona. Hotter than they've ever been. And we're going to talk about that after the break. June was an exceptionally hot month for several countries in the Northern Hemisphere. Since Friday, June 25th, at least 486 sudden deaths have been recorded in Canada's British Columbia, as temperatures soared to nearly 50 degrees Celsius, which is 122 degrees Fahrenheit. In the United States, the ongoing heat wave has buckled highways and melted power lines, a so-called heat dome where high pressure traps the heat is blamed for the excessively high temperatures. On June 29th, Lytton, a small town about 124 miles from Vancouver, hit 49.6 degrees Celsius, which is 121 Fahrenheit, setting a national record for the highest temperature ever recorded across Canada. Schools, universities, and vaccination centers were closed across British Columbia. Just south of the border, in Oregon, the city of Portland hit an all-time high of 46.6 degrees Celsius, which is 116 degrees Fahrenheit, breaking their previous high of 41.6 Celsius, 107 Fahrenheit, which was set in 1965. On June 22nd, the Kuwaiti city of Nawasib recorded the highest temperature in the world so far this year, at 53.2 degrees Celsius, which is 127.7 degrees Fahrenheit. In Iraq, temperatures reached 51.6 degrees Celsius, 124.8 Fahrenheit. On July 1st, Iran was not far behind with a maximum temperature of 51 degrees Celsius, 123.8 Fahrenheit recorded so far. Several countries in the Middle East, including the Emirates, Oman, and Saudi Arabia, recorded temperatures higher than 50 degrees Celsius. While the Gulf is known for its hot and humid climate, with temperatures exceeding 40 degrees Celsius, 104 degrees Fahrenheit in the summer months, the temperatures seem higher. The highest officially registered temperature is 56.7 degrees Celsius, 134 degrees Fahrenheit, which was recorded in California's Death Valley back in 1913. 
The hottest known temperature in Africa is 55 degrees Celsius, which is 131 degrees Fahrenheit, recorded in Tunisia in 1931. And Iran holds Asia's hottest official temperature at 54 degrees Celsius, 129 degrees Fahrenheit, which was recorded in 2017. Antarctica, Seymour Island, in 2020, recorded a maximum temperature of 20.7 degrees Celsius, which is 69.3 degrees Fahrenheit. Temperatures on the Antarctica Peninsula have risen by almost 3 degrees, 5.4 degrees Fahrenheit, over the past 50 years. The world is getting hotter. A report published by NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies found that the Earth's global average surface temperature in 2020 tied with 2016 as the warmest year on record. According to Gavin Schmidt, the director, the last seven years have been the warmest seven years on record, typifying the ongoing and dramatic warming trend. Within whether one year is a record or not is not really that important. The important things are long-term trends. These trends, and as the human impact on the climate increases, we have to expect that records will continue to be broken. Now, I live up in Edmonton, Alberta, and we've been over 40 degrees Celsius. That doesn't happen. We're north. North, north central in Alberta. I'm only a days away from being up in the Yukon. These temperatures have been extremely hot. The heat dome has kept the pollution down to the ground as a result as well. Air doesn't have a chance to refresh and the pollution stays down to the ground so it's been hard especially on older people who have breathing problems to breathe proper. Now, Lytton is a town I lived 21 miles from. I lived in Spencer's Bridge, and it is desert country. But Lytton is a town that has the Thompson River flowing into the mighty Fraser River. And paddle boats back in the 1800s and early 1900s used to come up and have to pass Lytton from Fraser to get onto the Thompson to come to the interior of British Columbia. Now, I've been in Spence's Bridge when it's been 104 degrees Fahrenheit. It's not a, not a pretty thing. But to be at 121 degrees, 121.7 degrees Fahrenheit, that shouldn't happen. Is it an anomaly, or is this the shape of things to come? I've got some audio of the people leaving Lytton because not only did Lytton set a world, sorry, a record hottest temperature in Canada, it also caught on fire. 250 residents left. There are two people dead. And the people of Lytton are now scattered between Vancouver and Kamloops. The village of Lytton itself was engulfed in flames. You couldn't really see what was burning, but you, you know, it's, it's homes, it's businesses. And there's so much on Facebook, so many videos and everything, and it's devastating.
there is a lot of concern about um, tracking people and making sure that we have everyone in the community registered so that we know where they are and that they're safe. The whole town is on fire. I've ordered the town evacuated, and I've told everyone as I was leaving town to leave. It took like a whole 15 minutes from, you know, the first sign of smoke to all of a sudden there being fire, you know, everywhere. I drove through town and it was just smoke, flames, the wires were down. There were a couple of fire crews uh, that uh, were going door to door and um, yeah, we were just getting people out as fast as possible. Lytton has a highway that goes through it, it goes um, east and west and um, people went what, with what they felt was the safest route. So part of the challenge today will be to find where people are, to connect people to um, emergency centers and also to see what their needs are so that we can advocate with the, go- with the provincial government to ensure that people's needs are met. So while the B.C. Premier went on television and explained you have to have personal responsibility about these fires, which is a tone-deaf thing to say, there are currently, for for this year, in the province of B.C., there was 517 fires. 152 new fires this week, 14 in the last two days. So outside of Kamloops, there's a big fire. North of Prince George, there's a big fire. For the last couple of years, these areas have been involved with big fires. Maybe it's driving up the the price of lumber now too as well. In Alberta, Total number of fires for this year so far are 625, with 1,686 hectares burnt. There's a big one going not too far from where I am, but an hour away, like I mentioned. And there's one over by Edson, causing smoke along the highway. The permafrost is melting making those areas up north more prone to fire because they find the the moss and the organic matter that the permafrost was over top theoretically we could have a big burn in northern canada and if it goes underground We've got a fire by Fort McMurray that has been burning for about five, six years. And it's underground. Every once in a while, it pokes its head up. I know in Pennsylvania, their coal bed caught on fire. And I believe that fire is still going as well. It just, you know, smokes and burns into embers. seems to be a problem do you think this is climate change do you think this is natural well let's just say we have not seen this heat and these temperatures in our lifetime 
in a northern country. So we've also had a spate of fires with religious churches in Canada. Four Catholic churches on indigenous lands in rural southern British Columbia were destroyed by suspicious fires and a vacant former Anglican church in northwestern BC was recently damaged in what Royal Canadian Mounted Police said could be arson. In Nova Scotia, police have also deemed a church fire on, on one of the First Nations sites suspicious after an early morning blaze last Wednesday damaged part of a Roman Catholic church there. Earlier this week in Gletchen, Alberta, which is just east of Calgary, police are investigating a potential arson attempt at a Catholic church that took place just after midnight last Monday. It was put out before any serious damage took place. Tensions between the Catholic Church and Canadians have no doubt risen since the grim discoveries of the unmarked graves and some have called on Pope Francis to come to Canada and deliver an apology. Out in Morinville, the pastor, Friar Trini, was watering his garden at 11 o'clock in the evening and praying at the grotto beside the church everything appeared normal he says at 3 a.m. this morning he was awakened by a loud noise and then saw flames in the basement of the church and the iconic building in Morinville burnt to the ground We all realize there's been a series of church fires since the discovery of 215 unmarked graves near a residential school in Kamloops in BC. And another site where there's 751 unmarked graves which were flagged on the Cowas First Nation in Saskatchewan. The St. Jean Baptiste Church in Morinville, the Alberta Premier said it appeared to be a hate crime and called it unacceptable. Meanwhile, Arthur Noski, the Treaty 8 First Nations of Alberta Grand Chief, says churches need protecting, and during the meeting Wednesday, he and other Indigenous leaders discussed having their members appointed as security to do so. The reasons for offering that security, however, are not simply about protecting buildings, Noski suggested. These are possible potential evidence sites. We'll be talking to our members directly and our elders as well. I know everybody's hurting and the whole nation is in an uproar, but you know for us, the truth is coming out. Treaty 8 covers the northern half of Alberta as well as a swath of British Columbia and Saskatchewan and is comprised of 39 First Nation communities. Sites of former residential schools, there were 25 in Alberta, also need to be protected, said Nowski. The series of church fires since the discovery of 215 unmarked graves are a concern. And Nowski says these are evidence.
Now you would figure with Canada Day, it'd be celebrations, fireworks, people coming together. But in a lot of parts of the country, it's not the case. As Montreal director of the Native Woman Shelter says, our hearts are certainly not in Canada Day celebrations. She helped organize a march to protest. She f said she feels the impact of the bodies being discovered personally. The bodies being those of the, in, at the Cap Kamloops Residential School. My mother went to residential school in Saskatchewan, she says. Those children could be my relatives. We are organizing this gathering as a space to come together, share our pain and grief, and gain strength from the wisdom of our elders. In Quebec City, the Assembly of First Nations Quebec Labrador organized a march and a vigil in memory of those who died, survivors and their descendants. Our hearts are certainly not in Canada Day celebration, said Chief Ghislaine Picard. We invite everyone to mobilize to highlight the importance of paying our respects and offering all our support to our sister nations who are going through extremely difficult times. Grand Chief Serge Otzi Simon of the Mohawk Council says, The proof that Canada has not been a very good friend to First Nations has been known to our people for a very long time. This past month, Canadians and the whole world have unearthed and found undeniable proof of the tragedies our people have been through and known about for a very long time. For too long have the spirits of those children buried at those factories of shame demanded of us to seek justice for them and those who survived to live as testimony of this country's dishonor. He also issued an appeal to people not to celebrate or engage in festive activities this July 1st. Under the present circumstances, dancing and fireworks would not only be disrespectful and a sign of a lack of remorse, but insensitive to our people and distasteful to the world. The flag that flies above the National Assembly in Quebec City is, ha is at half-mast today in solidarity with Indigenous people. Hundreds gathered in Montreal to acknowledge genocide of Indigenous people. It's not a day of celebration. For us, it's a day of mourning, says Tammy Whitebean. Several cities across the country cancelled Canada Day celebrations completely. Among those who spoke in Montreal was Denny Saganash who said his father had a brother who never came home from residential school in the James Bay region. I'd really like him to come back home, said Saganish, who spoke through an interpreter. He called on others to understand and feel our sadness, our pain, for all the children who didn't come back home. White Bean said that given the discoveries of unmarked graves at residential school sites that have come to light in the last few months, people need to take this day to grieve and acknowledge what happened. This is a lot of babies who never got the chance to grow up, she said. They weren't schools because schools have playgrounds. These were prison camps because they had graves. And that's quite right. Uh, throughout Canada, 
there's been a respectful in most most cases in most cities in most towns an internal insight an internal looking a feeling of what the aboriginal people have gone through and as a citizen of canada you go through it as well while you're not obligated to the sins of your fathers you still have a deep understanding of the pain the aboriginal people went through with brothers and sisters little ones who didn't come home from all i've read and and talked to some aboriginals it wasn't like these were all shot all lined up and shot and put into a mass grave by no means but they were children who died and went into a, a grave and these graves were unmarked whether they died from tuberculosis from malnourishment from beatings they weren't given the respect they were due their precious lives placed in this country who had ancestors and forefathers and mothers who were here long before the Europeans and the people who run Canada for myself and, and my friends I hope there can be an introspection I hope we can deal with this the right way we know we have wing nuts, we have some rednecks who are going to complain. But I think the identity of this country called Canada will be how we process this and how we deal with this matter. And give it the respect it deserves. So we've got forest fires, we have religious churches burning we have dead children that have been found all these are linked it's a complete circle of life wow the forest fires unfortunately are man made well let me rephrase that through our actions as a human species we have definitely made this world hotter than it should be and we've been warned for a number of years i'd like to think all canadians are tree huggers but we will cut that tree down especially if it's diseased and get me wrong we we mine mine for gold we cut trees down we have oil how we approach how our next steps are in combating climate change do you remember like when people say well mankind mankind and womankind can't affect climate change but do you remember when the ozone layer had a hole in it and it was found out to be caused from the fluorocarbons in hairspray. The people who make the hairspray changed the formula, took out the hydrofluorocarbons. 
the ozone hole healed. It's one proof that man can affect his environment. Isn't it man that uh, that uh, that affects his environment? That changes it. He gets it to the way he wants. In most cases, cities aren't natural. All this cement and this asphalt. And the way that we do things, we. I don't know about your city, but we're making suburbs outside the city now where richer people and gated communities can be. So it's a t two-tiered thing. You don't have a community coming together for the good of the community. You have people that have ostracized themselves away and they're doing their own thing. So all the billionaires in the world right now they're going out and doing their own thing. They're ostracizing themselves away from the people. Have you ever had a manager who was a good guy when you worked with him and then as he got promoted, turned out to be an asshole down the line or didn't care anymore? That's because once you promote a manager away from the vital work, that's needed or that's done by people everyday people the more they disassociate themselves from it I kind of liken it to the way congresses and senators I think a lot of those guys they go into politics meaning to do the right thing but they get themselves ostracized from the people they're doing their own thing they're in their own world they're in their own gated community So like the aboriginals of Canada and the philosophy of, of the native tribes. Maybe we got to learn to live with the land. Learn to live with other people. And keep the spirit of our ancestors alive in a positive way. Thank you for listening to North of 48. Bye. Sitting here, I got time. It's clear to see from up here the world seems small. We can sit together, it's so beautiful. You and me. Meant to be in the great outdoors, forever free.